Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There is no better group of plants for flower power than forms of the shrubby potentilla. Producing single rose like flowers continually from June to the first frost. Our thanks to this week's sponsor, Hayloft Plants Limited, Pershaw, Worcestershire. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to exchange some news, views, a bit of seasonal advice and hopefully answer some of your gardening quandaries on the way. This week's podcast comes from the hilltop, Floral Fantasia in the Royal Horticultural Society's Hyde Hall Garden, on a beautiful evening following a lovely warm blue sky day. You may just hear the hum of greenhouse fans on this still air. Quite a change from the breeze we usually experience on this hilltop. There's so much to do uh, in Floral Fantasia, I almost need my bed here. We could just about cope with deadheading uh, all of the pansies in the enormous trial when uh, each plant was uh, giving us ten or so fading flowers each week. But after nearly two weeks of warm weather and a really steady rain last Friday, everything is growing apace. So uh, removing 20 or more (laughs) fading flowers per plant, not to mention uh, seedling weeds shooting up like rockets, uh, I think we may have to give up on uh, some of the deadheading and just let uh, most of them rip. Uh, And some of them, I'm afraid, will have to be ripped out altogether in uh, the very near future to uh, allow the new seedling calendulas, the space to grow and develop. You have to be cruel to be kind, and I hope we can just do it uh, a few rows here and there so that we don't cause uh, too much upset with the visitors. Actually sitting here gently chatting, (laughs) a jack hare is uh, ambling by as tame as you like. If you're up here... On your own, when everyone's gone home, you certainly see the wildlife. There's some ornamental pheasants that are very attractive. What's new? Well, there's plenty of new plants arriving up here. We've got the new alpine dianthus, berry crush, and alongside some biggish plants of dianthus memories growing in pots the fragrance is really quite remarkable you can uh, 
see visitors pretty well stopped in their tracks by the fragrance in the air. And it's not just the dianthus, there's a really big clump of sweet rocket in the uh, lavender shade, must be three and a half feet high. It's its second year of flowering. Uh, sweet rocket is a short-lived perennial uh, if the land is uh, reasonably well-drained in the winter. And boy, they've got some scent. And sweet peas too. The cultivar high scent, which we've got in a fair number, in several uh, little pyramids of six, is uh, certainly living up to its name. And uh, it looks as if we're going to have a harvest of uh, cut flowers. Uh, I'm uh, eager to see some of the new varieties too, some of the short trailing sweet peas, but they seem a bit later coming into flower. I've got one interesting happening. We've got four short rows of sweet peas grown as cordons, that is just uh, restricted to one stem with the tendrils nipped off and all the side shoots taken out so that you get one really long-stemmed sweet pea at each leaf joint. does mean you've got to tie the plants once a week or so. But one plant, I'm not sure quite why or where it's come from, is producing enormously long stems. I've measured a couple and they are uh, three feet long. I don't know whether we'll be able to uh, save seed and fix that character. I mean, it's ungainly with the first flowers at that sort of length, but all sweet pea stems shorten as the weather gets really warm. And to have a sweet pea uh, that had a tall stem in the beginning and when it uh, got hot, shortened to uh, an acceptable, sensible size, could be very useful. I'm very pleased to welcome as our guest to the podcast today, Alan Sargent. Alan and I go back a few years, we may think almost a few too many. Alan, of course, is a very skilled and experienced landscaper, author, Two very good books, The Garden Designer's Survival Manual and The Professional Gardener's Survival Manual, and he gives evidence to uh, court cases. Alan, how are things with you and where are you today? I'm fine, thank you, Peter. I'm in Sussex. Nice bit of rain this morning. Rain? You lucky devil. What? <laughs> Alan, when we first met, I think it was uh, at the Chelsea Flower Show, wasn't it? Chelsea Flower Show, around about, I think it's around about 1980-something or other. You had just started on the Sunflower Street. I was um, building gardens outside. I did uh, 37 Chelsea gardens altogether. But to bring us right up to date, you're working very much with the Trade Association and trying to help new entrants and long-established entrants in the landscape business. Why do that? Well, I don't know, the early 90s, I was chairman of the British Association of Landscape Industries, regional chairman. I used to get a lot of calls and inquiries for problems from people. And so I've been involved in that sort of uh, subterranean world and done a lot of mentoring over the years for, for head gardeners. Um, my first book actually was the, um, the Head Gardener Survival Manual. So I've done a series of four now, the head gardeners, landscapers, garden designers and uh, professional gardeners. So there's a complete set now and all, all written from the point of view of 
how to succeed, not in business. They're not business motivation type books, but they're all the perils and pitfalls and all of the mistakes and so on, and call them survival manuals because that pretty much is what they are. We do have very many people who come into our industry with no training and um, little experience. I mean, I think of... (laughs) The late Mr. Squires, who during the 30s recession, you know, just set off with his wheelbarrow and away he went and built an enormous business. And we have people now, of course, following the coronavirus, people have lost jobs who've gone out into garden maintenance. And there are pitfalls, aren't there? There are many pitfalls. And unfortunately, the biggest pitfall is the individual who is so involved and wrapped up in in their work because everybody loves their work. Everybody involved in landscaping and garden, garden design, are all devoted to their job. And this time, this can be a a millstone in some ways because you've got to survive. You've got to pay your mortgage. And the only way to do that is not to become sentimental about what you do, but to be very practical and businesslike. And once you get a business head on, everything else follows naturally. And uh, it's no good chasing the dream of creating beautiful gardens if you're not if you can't pay the school fees exactly well i was reading an article of yours in horticulture week where you were explaining that the importance is not the contract but the signature can you take us through that a little bit most of my work nowadays is involved in dispute issues and the the sad thing is going back to you know this thing about not being business people is that uh, it's so easy to forget that you, we are contractors, whether we are garden designers or, or landscapers or professional gardeners, we are contractors and we all work under contract. And it's no point in having all the terms and conditions and having all the specification and everything written down if it's not signed. It has to be signed by both parties, otherwise it's not a valid document. Uh, and that obviously gives you massive problems. You, you, you wind up in court and you, you're, you're totally naked. You've got nothing. And the old saying is, if it isn't written down, it didn't happen. Uh, That's something I learned many years ago, and uh, that's always been my maxim. I mean, if you take a step back, you've got the client who has in their mind a, a truly beautiful, wonderful garden, and you have the garden designer who has another completely different view, and then wedged between the two is a landscaper who has to try and bring those two dreams together. I mean, has that sort of summed up the situation, Alan? It really has, actually. I don't know whether you are aware or not, but my next book, which is being published this month, is actually called Buying a Garden. And this is me as though I was an individual, independent consultant sitting in on a meeting with the homeowner, the garden designer and the landscaper and giving advice to the trio. And that is the way the book is written. And so all the information and advice is for all three parties present. And it's a fascinating exercise, actually, because I've never done that before, never heard of it done before. The advice is going to all three parties. And what happens is... In in a sense, we're all dealing with words because words and understanding, it's, it's misunderstandings that cause the problem. When people use emotive words, the, the simplest emotive word really is maintenance-free garden. <laughs> you and I know there's no such thing. <laughs> 
Another one which actually causes a lot of designers to trip up, and quite understandably so when you're in the heat of a, 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 a lovely, warm conversation between the, the designer and, and, the, and the customer, the would-be customer, to allow words to get in the way. And if, so if a client asks you for a wow factor, we all know what a wow factor is, but you put that in writing and it's not possible. So your idea of a wow factor and the client's idea of a wow factor can be a million miles apart. And this, again, is one of the basic foundations for causing problems. Do you want to engage a professional, whether it's a contractor or designer, and you, you want somebody to give you sound and solid advice. And that's really what the idea of the, the buying a garden uh, book is all about. It's not a, not a survival manual. It is actually a very much a factual step-by-step leading you through the whole process of uh, everything from building regulations right through to, you know, from, from concept to completion and even aftercare. I mean, the aftercare you referred just a moment or two about maintenance-free gardens. From my point of view, gardens change minute by minute, leave alone day by day and week by week. So, yes, the designer puts in the hard landscaping, the sort of framework, but from there onwards, it's in the hands of the gardener, isn't it? The garden grows. Very strong point there, actually. I produce or have produced some aftercare leaflets uh, for the first three years of the life of a new garden. Now, I've separated these two into soft landscaping materials and hard landscaping materials because the soft landscaping materials are the ones that are going to give the most immediate impact and the most immediate changes. And it's, it, it is all down to the growth. Now, you know, um, certain plants will grow in certain gardens a lot faster than others. So the garden designer can quite correctly try and visualise how a garden's going to look like in six months or a year's time and then nature comes along and decides that it's not going to work quite like that because of nutrients <laughs> in the soil and yeah. and so on. It will actually sort of change the whole concept uh, of, of the way the garden grows. And I've separated the hard landscaping materials out because this is where a lot of the, the problems and issues come in because people don't understand that when a product is is left out into the weather, whether it's timber or, or paving or, or brickwork, everything, it changes. It changes naturally with the weather. And it's trying to explain those changes to a customer so that they're, they're, they're not alarmed. When they, when they see efflorescence coming on brickwork, that they panic and they're alarmed. It's perfectly natural and, and will disappear. But it is trying to explain to the general public, to sorry, to the homeowner, if you like, uh, how these things work. And this is why I've produced these, uh, these aftercare booklets. By good fortune, I haven't had to appear in court. I have sat and witnessed court proceedings, and they look to me to be terrifying. Um, do you have any experiences, or are you all very laid back about that now? No, I have to admit that um, I, I cheated slightly on here because, in fact, in the in the mid sixties, I was in the police. In fact, I was a police cadet and then a policeman. I was a constable sergeant. I, I transferred from the old West Sussex to the Met, and I did not. I couldn't stand living in London. That was the end of my police career after about three years. But it did mean that I've never. I've always sort of 
I've been aware of the court situation. I know that courts look to be scary places, but if you actually understand them, they're not. And I've always had that confidence in myself to be able to um, to be able to, to hold my own in court. I only go to court a couple of times a year. Most of it's dealt with uh, long before it gets to court or long before I need to get involved as an expert witness. But no, there's some some amazing tales and some amazingly sad tales about um, uh, disputes and so on. And... Um, it is just a case of to, nowadays, it seems, that everybody has become litigious. And once you start that ball rolling, the costs just rack up immensely. Uh, just one particular case um, recently was uh, a claim for £8,000 the contractor made against a, a customer. Uh, and the customer then counterclaimed, and by the time it finished up, the contractor was out of pocket by £88,000. So it's, I just say, please don't go down that road. Please don't do that. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Is there something that regularly leads people to go to court? A lot of the cases actually arise from the misunderstandings regarding thresholds. The new built houses have what they call um, invisible thresholds. So you can step outside uh, of the kitchen or the, the, the dining area, open the patio doors and step out onto the paving all at the same level. This is very much a modern thing. Now, that's fine if you've got a modern build house. But when you have it and you try and attach a patio to a standard house that's not been built to these new regulations, of course, the water can just pour straight in through the house. One particular <laughs> one, um, somewhere somewhere in England, I would say somewhere in England, the householder wanted to have this invisible threshold having sort of seen the photographs in magazines and so on. But it was a, it was a really old converted barn, uh, a thatched barn. And so uh, the first heavy shower of rain went through under the uh, wooden threshold and destroyed a £10,000 carpet, uh, all because somebody wanted to have an invisible uh, threshold. And, of course, it, the, the, the contractor was, was you know bang dead to rights because he should never have done it. Uh, the, the, the professional on site is always going to be the contractor. It doesn't matter how idiotic a, a request is from a customer. It's still down to the contractor to actually say yes or no to the project. You, if you don't like the way that it's being presented, you should walk away. And the same with garden designers. If somebody asks for the impossible, it's much better just to walk away because otherwise you will be found liable. Uh, not, not, we don't use the word guilty. It's liable. 
And when you're found liable, that's when the costs, you know, come out of your pocket. Alan, if I'm sitting listening to this and I'm thinking of employing uh, a garden designer or a, a landscape contractor, can you give us one or two quick tips on uh, what to do, what to look for? How do you find these people? I would thoroughly recommend that you look at one of the three trade associations that conduct thorough vetting before accepting people into membership. That's the Society of Garden Designers, the Association of Professional Landscapers, and the British Association of Landscape Industries. All three of those have very, very strict vetting procedures, and the contractors or designers are monitored on an annual basis, so you're sure you're going to get a decent contractor or a decent designer. There's nothing to say, there's nothing wrong with other designers, nothing wrong with other contractors, but the APL, Bardi or the SGD, you've got a guarantee, if you like. To go beyond that, I would just say, be very, very careful with the documentation. Make sure that the contractor that's coming to see you, or the designer coming to see you, have got full insurance cover, and that's indemnity insurance as well as public liability and employer's liability insurances. And get those insurance policies, uh, you know, the actual um, cover notes, if you like, not the full documents. And also be aware of the thing called the CDM, the Construction Design Management Regulations 2015. They apply to all contracts. So if somebody says that to you, oh, I don't need that, I don't need CDM, you know, jolly well do. But definitely, if you really want to know how to do it, then get hold of a copy of Buying a Garden because it's all clearly set out in there. <laughs> if my listener is uh, embarking on a professional gardening career or uh, landscaping or garden design uh, and wants to lay hands on one of these uh, august copies, uh, how do they get them? Um, simply just get, get, go to my website, which is um, simply www.alansargent.co.uk. And um, just just buy from there. Alan, we haven't met face-to-face since lockdown. I very much hope that things will uh, continue to ease and uh, look forward to meeting you in the near future. Thank you very much for joining us today and every success with those books. Thank you very much indeed, Peter. It's something I've always respected you for enormously over these years. Now, I'm not going to embarrass you now with this because and I hope you can continue to record it. You have been a great ambassador for this industry for so many years and I'm just really pleased to say thank you very much indeed Alan Flattery will get you everywhere (laughs) (laughs) Uh, my towel piece is really just a postscript I've just noticed that B&Q have introduced a gardener of the year there are five categories the best use of colour the best use of a small space, best use of imagination, a best grow-your-own space, and the best eco-friendly garden. Now, the best-in-class garden gets £10,000 and a golden trowel. So uh, <laughs> it's going to be worth somebody having a go at that, I would have thought. They're also offering a newly-launched B&Q green card which gives access to free plants for 10 years. That should be a bit of fun, I would think. So uh, if you think uh, you've got something that looks pretty good in one of those categories, I wish you luck and hope you'll have time to join us next week. Goodbye. Our thanks to this week's sponsor, Hayloft Plants Limited, Pershaw, Worcestershire. 
to my producer, Rich Jarman, and of course, to you for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 